Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Sidebar with Cindy on Kaya FM 95.9. FM 95.9, home of the Afropolitan. It's, two, it's one minute past seven. And you're listening to me, Cindy Fansale, on Sidebar at Cindy on a wonderful Tuesday. I hope you had a great day. So if you missed our previous shows, you can visit kayafm.co.za and listen to them on FM Rewind. We have all our podcasts up. And if you're not in Gauteng or you're listening on um, DSTV's audio bouquet, you can catch us on channel 861 or visit kayafm.co.za um, you know, to listen live. We'll be back with a very sensitive topic after this. Medical issues, sex and family, finance, parenting and emotional development. Sidebar with Cindy. Cindy. Every Monday to Thursday, 7 to 8 p.m. on Kaya FM 95.9. Kaya FM 95.9, home of the Afropolitan. So experts have long recommended that, um, you know, happy, stable marriages or relationships are the ideal setting for bringing up kids. And as we know, okay, families don't always, you know, follow, follow a set pattern. So this is where the term, you know, co-parenting came about to describe a parenting situation where you have two parents of a child that are no longer involved, no longer together. And they're assuming joint responsibility for the upbringing of this child. So in an ideal world, the couple breaks up, but they still talk decently around how they're going to bring up their child, the finances, everything involving the child gets discussed, child or children gets discussed, and things go ahead um, properly. So life does not always pan out in the way that, that we expect. And this is what tonight's show is about. It's about co-parenting, financial responsibilities, and child maintenance, where the couple has broken up and things haven't got, gone according to plan. And now you have a situation where there's a shaky relationship and, and the child is in the middle, child or children is in the middle and they're suffering. So we'll be taking your calls on 86 You'll be You can SMS us on 36959. And I'll be joined in studio by advocate um, Zoma Dolo, who's a family law expert, and he'll be fielding, well, he'll be telling us the laws around child maintenance. And I'll also be chatting to um, Gyachile Mahoba, who, you know, is a grown-up now, but as a child, she went through maintenance issues, and she'll be giving us her experience of it. So I'll be chatting to Lily Digama, who's a single parent, who's been on this road since her child was four years old. Her son is now 20, and she'll be telling us about that. And I'll also be chatting to Uzamandela Mambinisa, who'll be um, on the phone and telling us about all the challenges that she went through between 2007 and 2012 regarding um, maintenance maintenance for, for her child. So I'll start off with, with Lily. Lily, thank you so much for being on Sidebar, Cindy. And I think the first question I have for you is, you know, when you enter a relationship, you don't think that, you don't get into a relationship planning that it's going to end. And if it does end, how are we going to deal with our child? Mm. Um, when you realize that your relationship was, was, was not going to work out, um, did you talk about what was going to happen to the child? Um, thank you for having me, Cindy. And thank you, sorry. And welcome to all the listeners. Um, my situation was a bit different because when I got into this relationship, it was a relationship. And when you get into a relationship, you obviously don't plan whether you're going to fall pregnant or not. 
I was 22 when I, f when I fell pregnant and obviously like any other 22 year old, I had my hopes and dreams. I discovered I was pregnant three months in the relationship and there I was with the choice of having to keep this child and carry on on my own. I then told the father that I was pregnant and obviously, you know, he freaked out. His immediate reaction was he cannot be a father to another child. At the age of 22, I had to make a decision. Am I going to do this on my own or, you know, what am I going to do with this? And over and above that, you've got your family, you've got society and you've got your plans that are literally shattered. Mm. So, um, Cindy, it was a difficult one. Emotionally, it was not an easy, easy decision for me to do. You know, I, I kept my pregnancy from my mother for about six months, up until such a time that I could not even fit in my clothes anymore. And I had to tell them that I was pregnant. Um, I also had to tell her that, you know, the father and I are not together anymore because he didn't want to have a part in this whole process. So there I was, a single mother, raised my son on my own. At that point in time, I was not ready for the legal system. I knew I needed maintenance. I knew I needed someone to help me out. I knew I needed to confront him, you know, to let him come to the party. But I was mentally not ready for it. I carried on and, you know, God willing, I prayed for a son, a sign, sorry. And one day my son, just out of the blue, he was four years old. And he said, he asked me, he said, mommy, who's my daddy? Mm. And immediately I knew that was a sign for me, you know. That you need to reach out to your to your, to your ex and yes. he must meet his son. Yes, yes. Um, I immediately the next day woke up, went to the maintenance court and um, filed a case. I opened up a file for maintenance. So in, in, in essence, that's how my story started. Okay, so in terms of, in terms of now you've introduced your son to this, to this man, he must now introduce the son to his family mm -hmm. and he must not get involved in all of this. What is that process like? Well, unfortunately, my son is not even introduced to his father's family. The only person he knows literally is this man that's supposedly his father. And throughout all this, these years, he's only seen his father about three times. In the 16 years? In the whole 20 years, my son has only seen his father about three times. Okay. And financially, Lily, um, I mean, gosh, so you've, you've practically borne the brand of everything since, mm -hmm. since your son was born. Um, school fees, nappies, I, I mean, everything has been, has been on your shoulders. Yes, it has been. Um, you know, if I need to just go into a bit depth, um, the f couple of days that my son was born, I didn't have money. I had to reach out to a neighbor to buy me a can of milk just to get milk. And here I have a man who knows that he's got a child, who knows that my son is born, who could actually provide something for him and I could not reach out to him. I carried all the expenses all these years on my own. I carried um, most of his schooling, everything, literally, on my own. And when after I decided to go through the maintenance system, for me, it was not really a matter of the money aspect. It was not that. It was a matter of closing and getting closure and doing what I was supposed to do as a mother. You know, if this was by all means going to be the only opportunity for me to have and introduce my son to his father so that he's got a picture to this person, if, the, if maintenance was the option, then so be it. And so what have you told your son about, about his dad? I never told him anything. 
I kept all the nasty, I mean, all the, 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 the bedside, all the, 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 the ugly information. I kept it from him until he had to file and open up his own case because I knew the time was going to come where he was going to have to meet his father and where he was going to have to interact with his father. And whatever I experienced, um, you know, he was going to go through it. So I never badmouthed his father. Oh, Lily. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. We'll, we'll be coming back to you thank later you. on in the show. Um, I think we'll chat to Uzama now and hear from her the challenges that she's been facing. Zama, thank you so much for joining us on the show. And I just want to say I appreciate having you ladies in the studio because sharing such such stories, I mean, these are stories from your heart. These are very personal stories. Um, it makes a huge difference for us to have, you know, to have real life experiences to, to deal with. Zama, um, welcome to Sidebar, Cindy. And um, tell us your story. Oh, well, my story is I fell pregnant in 2006 and I was in varsity with my first year. And like Lulu herself, I kept the secret for a very long time from my dad because my mom had passed away in 2005. So my dad and my brother were just the only people working, working the same company. So I fell pregnant and kept it a secret, but my brother knew and I had to finally tell my dad. So I went through my stepmom and my stepmom blew out the beans for me. Mm. And my dad was very disappointed at the time, but he said, look, what is done is done. And the only parent that's surviving right now, and we can do this. Anyways, long story short, fell pregnant, uh, sorry, went to deliver. And he said, no, I could use his medical aid, private hospital. And two weeks after the baby was born, my son got sick. And we didn't know what was wrong until the doctor discovered that he's got some hernia thing and they had to do an emergency op. And medical aid came back, rejected, and said, look, the whole hospital, the quotation was hospital plus medical aid, and the, sorry, the op was about 150,000 rand. Wow. And they're going to pay a certain portion because he's third generation. And then I, the hospital said to me, look, Where's the son, uh, the, your son's father? I said, no, he's working in Johannesburg. They said, pick up the phone, phone him. They phoned, they couldn't get hold of him, but they got hold of his company. His company booked him down to Johannesburg, uh, to Durban. And when he arrived there, he said, I don't know what you even bring, why you even brought this child into this private hospital. Um, I don't need this and I cannot afford this. And he just walked out. I think he was there for 10 minutes, Max. And that was like the first time he had met his son. And I mean... I was still a child and I was 19 and he was like older than me. He was like eight years older than me. Mm. I think that's when my heart just crashed. But at that moment, I didn't think of maintenance. All I wanted was just to get my son healthy and back again to be a normal child. And the rest we were going to deal with because my dad assured me that, don't worry, I'll we'll, we'll see how this. best. I'll handle this. I'll play the balls, everything. The op will be done and the baby will be fine. And he kept his word. Um... And I think six months later, my dad lost his job. My brother lost his job. And there was nobody working in the house. Myself still needed medical attention. Uh, but the grace of God, medical aid, my father's company still gave my father medical aid. So he was still able to see pediatrician, although it wasn't that much because funds would be depleted before, yeah. you know, in the middle of the year. So anyways, we went, continued. I decided to go to maintenance court. Maintenance cost at the time, they said 1450 which including clothing, um, nappies, milk, and any hospital bills. 
he said he doesn't have medical aid, he can't afford, he doesn't even have medical aid for himself. So my family has to see how, but, and I was like, but only varsity. So my father's still paying for my fees. How are we going to be able to afford to still, but that's how the cookie crumbled at the time. Mm. And, and, Zama, and Zama, before you continue, was it easy yeah. for you to access maintenance court services? Because I mean, a lot of the messages I've received say that it's very difficult to go through that whole process. Was it an easy process to go through? Did you know where to go, you know? Uh, actually, a friend of mine took me that day. She picked me up, she dropped me off there, and she gave me the whole load down because she had done that for her sister's kids because her sister was late. So she was looking after the kids and she went to claim maintenance on behalf of her sister, the late sister for the kids, okay. her nieces. So at least I had that sort of guidance at the time. And although my family was against it, but I still went ahead and I did it anyway. Okay. And fortunately for me, I had such a beautiful support structure from family, friends. So at the time, it was difficult, but I was able to get through and get guidance in the right places. And in the five so, years that you were battling all of this, I mean, eventually, how much were you able to get? I mean, 1,450 rand was the start. And now, how much are you getting? Well, now it's 5,000 rand, but that was because after a whole fight and I went back and I claimed I've been in and out of court. So it's with the battle then, okay, from 2007, I went to court and in and out trying to get everything. And he was in Johannesburg, so I didn't even know where he was staying. So I had to be traveling up and down. The, the whole process, the first payment I actually got was in 2009, I think. Two years after starting the process. Yes. And had you had you been time. speaking to his family at all? Had you spoken to his to his parents? I, I had been spe- speaking to his family. My my dad, when the child got sick as well, they thought it was a whole traditional thing. So it's us going back and, you know, begging them to say, look, this is your child. And they rejected the child. They said, no, the child is too fair and you are both a little bit dark. So how can you have a child that's white in complexion like this? And then... Um, we went back, so they did the little traditional thing that they had to do. We went back with the child, and in all of that, um, it was so like up and down. But the family w- wasn't ma- really playing a role because of the whole rejection thing. So mm. I thought to myself, did, did, how am I going to give these people? Then they came back a year later. They said, no, they want their child. I've given them the child. My father said, over his dead body. No. And in terms of, do they ever, do they ever um, suggest a, a paternity test? Do they ever suggest a paternity test? I mean, they were disputing that the baby was his. Do they ever say that you need to do a paternity test? No, they never asked me for a paternity test. Okay. Okay, no, but thank you so much, Zama. We'll let you go. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And I'm looking forward to all the insights that are going to come from more advocates, um, Zoma Tolo, who's joined us in studio, um, you know, during the rest of the show. But thank you so much for sharing your story on Sidebar, Cindy. Okay, so Kia, we'll come to you. Kia Hile Mahoba is in studio with us. And she's sharing her experiences as a child who had to, you know, be going up and down with her mother, um, you know, to maintenance court. I think, um, so just before I even start the story, I think I just need to note that I still love my father despite mm. um, everything that has happened to date, um, which is a lot that has happened, I think, I didn't realize until this morning that how damaging it actually, the experience actually is. And maybe, and I don't even think my mom's listening because I didn't tell her that I'm going to be mm-hmm. doing this. But just I don't know how she did it. 
um, because she was my parents got divorced when I was four I think I think mm. it was three or four and parents so my mom did a very good job one of shielding both my brother and I obviously my brother's about, uh, about six years older than I am so he was more aware of what is going on than I was well shielded I still got I still got you know we went to the best schools I still had the best my mom provided the best for me where she could she actually had two jobs at some point but I think there was a t- so I think the breaking point was when she lost everything so she was one of those women that was like she's running for her life and she's running she's saving herself and her kids um, and therefore she's leaving everything behind so everything that she has she had built in her marriage she left behind and she started from scratch with two kids and that was the beginning of horror and um, thinking about it now I think that experience of maintenance court for me I just every time I think about it it's a very cold place so I was only about like seven or eight um, and there was times when and it was school during school holidays so my mom didn't couldn't so she wasn't working or anything with school holidays um, so I was home with her so I didn't have there was no choice but for me to actually go to maintenance court with her and one, it's a constant up and down. Um, one, today you get there, they tell you one story, and then you have to come back, you bring specific forms, you need to bring specific pieces of papers to attach. And it's so weird. I was seven. I don't remember what I had for supper last week, but I can tell you this. So it's so, so weird for me. Um, and then there's one particular day, the coldest day ever. I even remember what I was wearing. I was wearing like this colorful jacket that my mom had bought for me. And then... As we were walking, we were sitting in a hallway, and I think that's where we were supposed to, there was a mediation process of some sort taking place. And I remember sitting in the hallway on the brown benches, it was very cold, and I see my father approaching. And you know, as a child, you're just like, oh, my dad, did he not walk past me like he didn't know me? Oh, yeah. And I was like, what? Does that, did my dad just do that? You know, at that point, it didn't make sense. But my mom pulled me towards herself, towards her, and she just held me. That's fine. And then I remember we are in this room at some point, and it's just this man, like, not acknowledging my existence at all. And it didn't make sense to me. I was just like, what the hell? Isn't this guy my dad? He used to, like, carry me in the mall before. He used to, you know, help me ride my bicycle at some stage, help me swim at some stage. But this guy is just, like, not acknowledging me at any point. Um, and at that point, I, and at that point, funny enough, it didn't make sense to me. It's only when I got older that I realized how much my mom went through. I mean, guys, then, my mom. And then the animosity between them. Yeah, and I didn't realize that. There was time, actually, so when Felicia Mabuza was still a thing, she had a maintenance show as well. Mm. And my mom was on that show. And she was talking about how she's having to pay for my brother's cricketing because my brother played cricket in high school and he's sports and she can't afford that stuff anymore. Again, that stuff just still didn't make sense. It's only when I got into think high school or so because it's, life was a struggle throughout for me. Um, I think the, the hardest part was being told to, you know, I was now finishing high school. Luckily, I was on a scholarship to get yes. to high school. Um, firstly, it was a it was embarrassing first. In primary school, I would always be blocked for trips and camps because my school fees was always out of... Oh, the story of you know, my life. <laughs> I was always booked from camps. I was always... So I'd never attended any primary school camps. Yeah. I never attended any primary school trips because my school fees was outstanding. Um, and then it was a back and forth again with my parents where my dad would tell my school parent, my school principal, yeah, I give the mother the money and she chows it on whatever else this bags whatever she does she uses the money for which is obviously a lie um and my mom was like you know what i'm not backing down i've done what i can do if you you guys do whatever you you need to do and at that point then it was done 
high school, luckily I got a scholarship, so at least I could, you know, at least I could do that. I was lucky enough as well in matric. It's time to start applying for varsities. I get accepted into two universities. I call my dad at this point and I'm like, okay, dude, look. I need your help. I need your help. I know you don't want this, but I really do need your help. I need to study. And so the first the thing that broke me. So I'm not one person to cry. I'm not a person to break down. But um, what broke me was him telling me to go prostitute if I want to oh. go and uh, study. So I was oh, like, oh, okay. okay. Uh, cool. And words stick. You know, you hear yeah. that and it sticks in your heart. But we'll be back after this break. We'll be chatting to Adquit Mzolo. We'll come back to both of your stories. But Adquit Mzolo is here now. Kai FM 95.9, home of the Afropolitan. So I'm back on Sidebar Cindy, and we have the advocate in the house, advocate Mzoma Tolo, who's a family law expert. And um, he's here to share his expertise with us and to field as many calls as possible so that we can we can cover as many aspects of, of, of child maintenance as we can. So, you know, without taking up too much time, thank you so much for being here, Advocate, and um, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So, you know, I know that during the, during the song, I said to you that there's a very thin line between love and hate, and you must see this on a daily basis. Yeah, we see it all the time. You know, I, I really appreciate your topic because your topic combines co-parenting with the financial side of things. You know, most of the time when we discuss maintenance, we only look at the money side. Mm -hmm. So I really appreciate the topic because now it actually reminds us that this is about parenting after all. If most of the fathers and mothers out there would actually remember that before we go pay money or not pay money and decide on which school and all those other things, this is about parenting. So we must come together to co-parent. Mm -hmm. I think that the financial side would be easier sorted, you know, that way. And it's not just about the money. So I... I really appreciate that. And then secondly, whenever we talk about co-parenting and financial side of things, I always like to, rem to remind people that um, custody and maintenance are two separate things, governed by two separate laws, uh, governed by two separate courts. So what this means practically is that if the parent who does not stay with the, father, uh, with the child is not paying maintenance. The, that does not mean that they are not allowed to see the child. Okay. And if the, the, the parent who does not stay with the child is not allowed to see the child, it does not mean that they must not pay maintenance. So these two are separate. You pay maintenance whether you see the child or not, or you are allowed to see the child whether you pay maintenance or not. So these two, the parenting side and the financial side, they are two separate things. But having said that, Cindy, I think the difficulty with maintenance at the courts, because I know that there's a lot of complaints about how people are received in court and how they are helped. One of the biggest problems is that we are not trained to deal with the emotional side of things. Okay. We are trained in law. So okay. if you come to me, all I want to know is, are you working? How much are you earning? How much does the child need? And what can you afford? Okay. I don't really want to know about, you know, how, how did the breakup okay? You know, how many girlfriends he has now? And all those, I, I don't want to know that. Part of the reason is that that is going to take forever. If we are to start talking about the breakup and everything, it's going to take forever. So I want to go straight to the issues. How much does a child need? How much can this 
person who is brought to court can afford, and that's it. Okay. So, but because the parties themselves, they have a lot of emotional baggage that they are carrying, it becomes difficult. Okay, so just going to, to the anonymous messages, the first message is, the mother of my kids was fine with me um, seeing the kids when we were still together. After we broke up, she started dating someone new. She had a problem with me seeing the kids all the time because it confuses them to have different fathers in their lives. But she still wants me to contribute financially. The problem is I can't see them um, when I want to. I don't have an issue contributing financially but because I love my kids, but I want to see them. Yeah, well, like I said, there is an act, the Children's Act, that deals with custody and visitation. And then there's the Maintenance Act that deals with maintenance. Even if the father is paying or not paying maintenance, he still has 100% rights on visitation and custody as the mother. So they can go to court and he can he can make sure that he gets these rights. Correct, but not the maintenance court, but the, the children's, children's court. court. Yes. Okay, okay. And then the next topic is, um, I share a six-year-old daughter with my ex. When we divorced, I agreed that he'd pay the most minimum he could afford as he was recovering from several years of unemployment. He doesn't earn enough to pay the maintenance we need. Um, he's a beneficiary of a family trust, but he refuses to bring the trust deed to establish his share to the mediation. Well, the court is, that's something that the court can order. Okay. So which means that this, uh, the applicant must bring that information to the court and the court can then order that this trust must be brought into the picture so that uh, his full um, ability to pay can, can, be be, determined. can be determined. Okay, well, yeah. if you've just joined us, you're listening to Sidebar Cindy, and I'm in studio with advocate um, Zoma Dolo, who's a family law expert, and uh, we're discussing child maintenance. So another anonymous message, the father of my child just recently got married and bought a new home. Then he started giving me the maintenance money late into the month. When I asked him, he told me the wedding and moving sidetracked him. I haven't thought of a legal route. I just want to know what to do. You know, the High Court uh, said when you are building a new nest, you must make sure that the old nest stays the same. So if you are getting married, remarried, and now you have a new family, new kids, that must not affect what you're already doing. Because okay. as you get into this new relationship, you already know about your other responsibilities. Okay. So the new marriage, new kids, new debt, new house, new cars, they are not supposed to affect what your responsibility already is. So you cannot go to court and ask for reduction of maintenance just because now you are remarried. And but you now you nest. have a new baby. Now okay. you have a new nest. Okay. So yeah. we'll be taking calls on 86 We'll start off with Unontle calling us from Soweto. Unontle, welcome to the show. Welcome to Sidebar Cindy. And um, yeah, thank you for calling. Thank you so much, Cindy. How are you? I'm good, thank you, ma'am. I'm great, thanks. So I just got a baby. He's eight months now. Yes. And funny enough, I don't want anything from the father, financially-wise. But I just want him to be there as a father. Because... Um, me and him, we never had relationships with our father, and I don't want my son to grow up like that. I'm only 26. I have a good job, if I may say for myself. I have medical aid. I recently got a car. I can afford financially, but I don't want my son to grow up and not have that relationship with a father, especially the fact that he's uh, a boy mm-hmm. and he needs that backing from the father. So, but now my problem, I don't know what changed with his family, 
We'll take a few comments on your call. Thank you so much for calling. Thank you. Okay, so that's a very tricky one. Mm. Because Nuntle is saying that she doesn't want money from this man, but she wants him to be a present dad. Mm. Um, Lily, anything you have to say about that? Yeah. Thank you, Cindy. I think, you know, I understand where Nuntle comes from. I I also was in the same position when I started for the first four years, you know. Um, As I had said, with me, it was never about the money. It was about the relationship with um, my, 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 my son and his father. And all these years, I settled for a mere 1,100 when my son was in private schools. He's always been in private schools. I mean, the institution he's in right now is about 10 times more than what I get. But for me, it was more, um, you know, trying to hold him accountable and make him realize that this child was not conceived on my own and also enforce my rights as a mother to say, I've done what I could. And I really understand where Nontle is coming from. But, you know, having gone through this whole journey with my son, who's 20 now, um, I've realized that you can't force a person exactly to be a part of this process. You really cannot. Yeah. And the only thing I had as a mother, I didn't want my son to come back and, and hold me accountable or hold me at ransom and say, Mom, you did not try to fight for me when you had the opportunity. Mm-hmm. I went the legal route because for me that was the only thing I could do. But when it came to me reaching out, there's been many times that I've reached out to his father to say, listen, you need to be a part of this. There were times that he would not pay me for months you know, on a row and he tell me that he doesn't have money. And I never used to go for an increase. I never used to go for, you know, a, a, a warrant or anything because I thought, you know, maybe one day he'll come around. But Nontle, I've been there. I can just tell you that you cannot force a person to be a part of a process that they don't want to be a part of. I was also subjected to the same thing. 
My mother had a maintenance order. She never went ahead with it. I turned 23. And I must tell you, psychologically for me, as a child who was growing up, knowing that I've got a present father, um, it messed me up because I could not understand why this man was not a part of my life. Yeah. We'll take another call. Thank you for that, Lily. We'll chat to Palesa from Soweto. Palesa, good evening and welcome to Sidebound Cindy on Kai FM 95.9. Hi, Leka. Fine, thank you. I'm well, thanks. Um, I, I, I don't know if it's a problem or a concern. Yes. You know, I think sometimes the law is, is, is failing as a woman. You are pregnant, you tell the guy that you're pregnant, he tells you he's not sure if the child is his. He tells you to go and have an abortion. You tell him you don't want to have an abortion. After nine months, once the child is born, he says he wants a DNA. You go for a DNA, a DNA proves that the child is his. Yeah. The next thing he takes you to court, he wants a no full custody of the child. Then uh, I'm, 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 in the, I'm in the middle of, uh, I'm fighting with this guy because now this is my child. He didn't want to be part of this child all along. And suddenly because his mother feels that he wants the child, he wants to be in the child's life. And now everything has to change. I have to run court to court. Because he wants uh, a custody of my son. So what do you do then? Okay. How do you go about who, who helped us when we're in this kind of trouble? Because you go to court, you're being told that go outside and discuss. What is it this, that I will discuss with this guy? Because he is not even, he can't even reason with you to tell you what is it that made you to change your mind. Mm. So I really need help with that. Thank you, Palisa. We'll ask your advocate, uh, advocate um, Zoma Dolo to respond. Thank you so much for calling and sharing that. Okay, thank you. Okay, advocate, um, response to Palisa's um, um, situation. I, I think maybe it's not going to be a nice thing to say, but, you know, in South Africa, our law is such that everyone has rights. So both the applicant and the respondent, they have certain rights you can't stop people then from trying to exercise their rights we know that even like in murder cases rape cases even the accused people uh, persons have rights so even in this case the fathers have rights the mothers have rights so if now the father decides i want to sue this person for custody of the child no one can stop them from doing that but there is a process to follow so one thing i would have loved to know is how old the child is. So let's say the child is younger than five years, maybe even younger than eight years. It's very rare in South African law that the mother would lose custody of the child that oh, young. Okay. It's very, very rare. Okay. It's only in extreme situations where the mother is actually a danger to the child. The okay. child is not safe with the mother. That's when the mother might lose custody of the child. But it's very rare that just because I don't want to pay maintenance, then, you know, I, just, I want custody. It, it, no, it's not going to happen. But unfortunately, the process will proceed. And the process of, of paternity testing, demanding a paternity test, that's also the father's right. Yes, definitely it's a father's right. And let me actually say on that point that it is not an insult. It is not something, legally speaking, it is not an insult. What I mean by that is that it's not something that you can then sue the father for. Because most ladies, after being asked for paternity tests and the tests prove that this father is the father of the child, they want to sue. That you messed up my name and you insulted me and all that. It, it is not. 
it, it is not an insult, legally speaking. It's their right. So they, but they have to pay for it, and they can ask for it, and as long as they are going to pay for it. But after that, it does not mean that now that I don't want to pay maintenance, I'm going to ask for custody. That is not the reason for asking for, for custody. But then they have a right to do it. The process will, will proceed, can take months, can take years. But really, at the end of the day, I think I would like um, the caller to just relax and know that as long as she is a fit mother, she's not putting the child's life in danger in any way, She's not going to just lose custody of the child. Okay. Kai FM 95.9, home of the Afropolitan. We're still in studio with advocate Mzoma Dolo, and he's a family law expert. We're still taking your calls on um, um, child maintenance. So we have Ukinelwe from Tembisa on the line. Kinelwe, welcome to the show. And um, yeah, let's hear what you have to say. Good evening, Cindy. How are you? Fine, thank you. I'm good, thanks. Uh, I separated with the father of my child when the child was born, okay? So I went through the <clears throat> the maintenance uh, court uh, route. Uh, he he agreed to to give us three hundred and fifty per month, and he also agreed to buy clothes for the child two months a year. He did that. I mean, uh, two times a year. He did that for for two years. Then after that, he stopped. It's been over eight years now. He's quiet. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't support the child, whether financially or, or emotionally. He hasn't even seen the child. He's not involved in the life of the child at all. Okay, so we'll ask who Edgar Mzola to, um, to respond to that. Um, and thank you so much for sharing that, Ginelu. Thank you so much, Cindy. Okay, advocate, eight years. No support, no seeing the child, nothing. It is very important for applicants to never wait that long because it becomes very difficult now to try to prove all these years that maintenance was not paid and why was it not paid. So it's very important that in a couple of months you can give a person a grace of two three months maybe see if they will pay but never wait for years because it's, it's very difficult but basically what she can do now is to go back to the court where her file is um, and then apply for area maintenance. But then it has to be calculated the whole eight years. And then you can come to court and say, at this particular point, I was not working. And how do we prove that now after eight years? So that's why it's very difficult. So it's important. Do not wait for a long time okay. when maintenance is not being paid. Go immediately to court and apply for area maintenance. When the person is working, especially working for a reputable place like a, maybe government or a reputable company, always ask for a garnish order. So that, you know, you relax, you don't have to worry every month whether money is going to come in or not. Money will be deducted straight from his salary. So wherever it's possible, ask for a garnish order. Okay. It's not important to maybe get him arrested and get him. The point is you want the money, so ask for a garnish order. Okay. But please do not wait, wait for, for, so for so long. And the other thing that came up, um, advocates, um, what, if, what if the father is in another country, so say he's in Swaziland, how do you go about that? If the father is in another country, there are countries that we have agreements with. So it's reciprocal maintenance, which means that we can apply for maintenance uh, from him wherever he is. Okay. But there are other countries that we don't have such agreements with. So, so which you just countries need to do go, we have agreements with? Look, most countries we do. Okay. Basically, right. it's those countries that you would 
also Afghanistan, Iraq, maybe those kind of countries we don't have. But okay. America, but Sadiq, England, Sadiq countries, Sadiq countries we do, most African countries we do. But it takes long because now the process is that we apply, you apply, you come to court here in Joburg, you apply for your maintenance and then the court here does the whole inquiry, how much do you need and everything and then sends that to um, uh to Nigeria. And then in Nigeria, they have to go find this guy and then bring him to court in Nigeria. And then they tell him that, look, a certain lady in South Africa asks for maintenance this much from you. And then he says, no, I can't afford it. Then they have to come and send it back to us. Okay, so, so it's, a, it's a long process, process, but it's a possible uh, it's so possible it can to be do. done. Yeah. Okay, so you listen to Side about Cindy on 95.9 Kaya FM. We have Tumelo calling us from the Val. Tumelo, welcome to Side about Cindy. Hi guys, um, how are you? Good, thank you. Thank you so much for calling. Um, I have a question here. Uh, the lady in the studio, uh, I didn't quite get her name. Um, she said uh, she's taking her child to a private school, or she took her child to a private school, which is 10 times what she has. Yes. Now, my question is if there's a court order uh, in terms of maintenance that I should pay a certain amount of money, and then my the father of my child decides to take uh, the child to a private school of which the child was not attending or was not going to end. Uh, now, am I now compelled to pay a certain amount of money because the mother decided to take a child to a school that uh, she thinks is best but I cannot afford? Now, how does that work? How does the law work in terms of that? Okay, thank you so much for that, Dumelo. Yeah, let, let, let's very quickly try to answer this one. So, when you come to court, the court considers three things. Is the child the biological child of this respondent? Is there a need to maintain this child? And what is the affordability from the respondent side? So that's how maintenance is calculated. You state to the court how much you need for the child, and then the court looks at whether the respondent can afford that amount or not. So when the amount now has already been decided, he has to pay a thousand rands a month. That thousand rands includes everything, including school fees. And you decide as a mother that I can afford to take my child to a private school. Then you can take the child to a private school. But obviously, you cannot now come back to the father and say, I want you to pay for the private school. You, the father is only entitled to pay what the court has decided that he must pay. Okay. If you feel that you are able to do more, then by all means, you can do more. If in another situation where maybe you've taken the child to a private school before you apply for maintenance, then you can go apply for maintenance and then say, these are my expenses, including now the private school. The father then has a right to say, look, there are better schools where I live that are not private schools. I cannot afford this amount of the private school. I can only afford if the child was going to such and such a school. Then the court might say, then the father must contribute what he would have contributed in that other school, and then the mother will see to finish with the other uh, expenses that... Okay, okay that, well, that makes sense. Okay, yeah. so we have a message. Hi, Cindy, the father of my child has a number of kids, um, but I know he's only taking care of two of them, mine being one of them. He has a firstborn who is 24 years old, and she herself has a child that he's taking care of. Is he still legally obliged to take care of her financially and thereby not contributing as much to my child as he could? There is no age limit for maintenance. So there's, you know, maintenance is not determined by age. It is determined by whether the 
child is now self-supportive or not. So you can pay maintenance until the child is 30, 40, whatever, depending on whether the child is self-supportive. So if so this, who's looking after Umzugulu? Look, there is an obligation to look after Umzugulu. Maintenance is... You know, you remember I said the court looks at whether there is a relationship that gives rise to a responsibility to pay maintenance. Such relationships are biological, so my, uh, parent to child, obviously, they have to maintain each other. By the way, it, even when the parents are older and they need maintenance from the child, they have a right to apply. Grandparents and grandkids, there is a responsibility there to maintain each other as well. So, Ubaba does have a right to main, or a responsibility to maintain the grandchild okay. and does have a responsibility as well to maintain the daughter who has a child. However, if the child is over 18 and the child is not doing anything with his or her life, they are not going to school, they are not looking for a job, then he has a right to go to court and apply for that maintenance to be cancelled. So even though there is no age limit, however, after 18, if this person still has no direction with their lives, then they are not really entitled because the law is not just to maintain lazy people who are over 18. It is just to make sure that if the child by 18 is still at school and still needs maintenance, that the father cannot come and say, now he's an adult or she's an adult. I don't have to pay maintenance anymore. You pay until they are self-supportive. Okay, we are learning so much tonight on Sidebar, Cindy. We'll mm. take the next call from Tony. Tony's calling us from Midrand. Tony, welcome to the show. And what is your question? Hi, Cindy. How are you? Good, thank you. Thanks for calling. I'm all right. I've got a comment and a question. Okay. Uh, but I'll start with a comment, a very sensitive topic, uh, so to speak. But uh, in my experience, I think most of the ladies are ill-advised when it comes to maintenance, especially legally. You find out most of them, they just want to spit on the, the fathers in terms of payments. I'm not disputing that the child has to be taken care of. But the court is very fair. When you go to court for maintenance, the court will always look at what you are earning versus your expenses and so on. So some of them, they think by the outlook of the father, automatically a person can afford whatever amount they have in their head. So I'll say to them, let them research, especially legally, before they can maybe contest uh, or figure out the uh, the amount that the person has to pay because the court is very, very, very fair. Mm-hmm. On that one, I don't, I don't want to lie because I, I've been through such situation whereby I was paying certain amount. The lady thought maybe I am uh, obviously affording this much by the look, obviously not knowing my finances. But when you go to court, I produce all the pay slips, all the expenses, and so on. The court identified how much I'm. Uh, supposed to pay. So the court is very fair when it comes to maintenance, okay. whether it's male or female. Okay. And then the, my question to the uh, prosecutor, or is it the advocate? I'm not sure. In a case whereby I have a child with someone and the child is adopted by one of the family member from her side, what recourse do I have, especially when I've been paying certain maintenance in that regard, how, how, how can uh, one uh, maybe get get a recourse? Because obviously when someone is adopted, you have signed the papers. It's more like the child is being given to that particular person. So I just want to hear the, the comment from the advocate at the studio that I listen on the radio. Okay, thank you, Tony. Advocate Matolo? Um, 
Cindy. I'm very offended on behalf of ladies out there who are, mm-hmm. you know, I do not think that mothers, when they go to court, they just want to spite the father. Mm-hmm. You know, m- most mothers, when they go to court, it's because they really need mm-hmm. the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, most mothers are not working, first of all. Mm-hmm. So they go to court because they need the money. And even when they are working, maintenance is a responsibility of both parents. Even if the mother is earning more than the father, it's still a responsibility of both parents to to earn, uh, to pay maintenance. So it is not true that they they go to court to spite the mm. father. I've seen pay slips of ladies who spend more than 70% of their salaries on their kids. So I'm quite offended for the women on that one. But okay, on this one of adoption, when you adopt a child, the, adopt, the adoptive parent um, actually cancels the rights and responsibilities of the biological parent. So when I adopt a child, it means that the biological f- uh, parent no longer has any rights or responsibilities on that child. Mm-hmm. So they cannot uh, pay maintenance. They cannot be asked for maintenance for that child. So all the responsibilities now fall on me. So if now this uh, Tony was made to pay for maintenance, whereas the child was adopted, then he has a right to sue those people for that money to, to be returned to him. But Tony must just make sure that this was indeed an adoption. Because, you know, in African culture, I can take my uh, a child and to come and live with me. If I marry a lady with a child, I can even give that child my surname. This does not mean that I've adopted the child. Okay. So make sure that it was actually adoption, legally uh, speaking, it was adoption. And then Tony does not have any rights or responsibilities on the oh, child, child, so he cannot pay maintenance. Okay, and another question, advocates. Um, can, can, we, can you sue paternal grandparents? So say the father is not contributing, can you sue the grandparents for maintenance? Yes, definitely. If the, grandpa- if the father is not working or is not earning enough to be able to maintain the child, then definitely, yes, you can sue the grandparents. Especially when the grandparents are actually maintaining this father. If they are staying with the son and the son is not, they, then yes, definitely you can sue them. Um, they, that, those cases are looked at on, in mer- on merits, uh, but yes, you can. Okay, well, it was a very informative show. I think we are going to definitely have you back on for a follow-up show because we, we, you know, we couldn't take all the calls. I'm sorry for all the calls that we, did, we didn't take, but I think we took enough to get a very good idea of what to do when it comes to child maintenance. Um, Kia and Lily, thank you so much for being in the studio and thank you for sharing your stories. And, you know, in closing, um, Barbara Johnson says, to be, in your child's, to be in your children's memories tomorrow, you have to be in their lives today. And that's a very, very touching quote. And I think this evening we heard a lot of stories, um, sad stories. Sidebar with Cindy. Every Monday to Thursday, 7 to 8 p.m. On Kaya FM 95.9. Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Visit kayafm.co.za for more.